Welcome to Studio One. If you like what you see, like and subscribe and comment. Thank you so much for taking time out for us. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm Mike. I'm from Studio One. We are a Toronto music platform that showcases artists and now artist mentors of diverse backgrounds. Ebony, thank you so much for coming on. Could you please introduce yourself? My name is Ebony Rowe. I'm the founder and executive director of the Honey Jam Artist Development Program. So your parents are from Barbados. The extent of what I know about Barbados is Rihanna and cruise ships. What can you say about the culture and the people of Barbados? That's a big question. I'm not even sure how to um, answer that. There's a wide variety of types of people and different professions, just like there are in any other country. I don't think I could say, well, Barbadian people are like this thing or that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a beautiful, stunning island with beautiful beaches, sand and surf, and all of that, uh, a rich history. Um, you'll find a lot of British influence there. And it's where my heartstring is. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Speaking of beautiful, your parents are kind and community-oriented people. What kind of lessons from your parents do you still take with you? My father inspired my love of writing and culture. Both of my parents instilled in me the importance of giving back and being a part of your community and making a difference in your community and volunteering. Um, My mother showed me what it means to be persistent, dedicated, and committed. Uh, Being a single mom and all the sacrifices you have to make. You know, you've got three kids and you're in a one bedroom apartment and you're sleeping on the couch, you know, and working a couple of jobs and that takes a lot. So that was definitely a lesson in stick with itness, not giving up, having a purpose and just moving through, you know, you have an obstacle, keep it moving. So I grew up in Asian court Scarborough And in the past year, I've realized that everyone's Toronto is different. It's just stink communities. Where did you grow up and what is your idea of Toronto? So I grew up in the Don Mills area. I went to Woodbine Junior High School. I went to Vanier High School and I went to George Henry High School as well. And then I used to go to Scarborough to Lamaru. Lamaru? They had the dances. Huh? So sometimes I'd tell my mom, oh, I'm babysitting for Mrs. <laughs> and the Lamaru dances were the bomb, the bomb. So what does Toronto mean to me? That's another question. I've never really thought of that, but I definitely have that Toronto pride being around in the early days, particularly the early days of the music scene, when there were programs like Fresh Arts, everyone just doing it for the love before there was an actual proper industry and infrastructure and people thinking, oh, I'm going to be making a million dollars. They would be doing music for the love, being very experimental and very uh, community-driven. A lot of warmth 
and love and community spirit. I remember from those um, early days of, of coming together. That sounds in a way like a good time because everybody was still figuring things out and um, helping each other. Yeah. And so I remember like people like Cardi from back in those times. In fact, his mother worked with me at Each One Teach One. Mm-hmm. You know, people like Jonathan Ramos, we kind of all came up together. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was, it was just, it's hard to describe that time. And this is a time before the internet. Can you imagine there was such a time, right? No social media, no smartphone. And so it created a different type of interaction. People had conversations, you know? So, you know, you're not using shorthand of emojis and, and different things. It just felt a lot more real, a lot more connection, you know, and I, I miss those times. I do. So let's talk about each one, teach one, your mentorship program, where you connected black youth to young black professionals. I think it's very honorable. And I think it's still very necessary in a lot of situations today. I used to volunteer at a youth space. We had a lot of youths and teenagers that were in need of inspiration, someone to show them the way. And me, myself, growing up from an Asian family, immigrant family, we only know about white collar jobs. And I really would have appreciated someone to show me that the arts was also possible. You're not alone in that immigrant experience where the parents have a narrow view of what success is. And if you don't fit into that, you're basically a janitor. (laughs) So for Barbadian parents, it's lawyer, dentist, doctor. So even if you are the head of an environmental firm, it's the same as packing groceries. Like just, there's no in between. So you're not alone in that at all. Um, I was running each one teach one for about 10 years from the early nineties. And so it doesn't exist anymore as an organization and a program. Um, but it definitely exists in what I do. It's kind of folded into Honey Jam. And it's just how I live my life. I believe you lift as you rise. I believe we are our brothers and sisters keeper. And it's so important to kind of show and guide people. Um, When you're a teenager, especially, it's not the easiest time at home. And mom isn't necessarily, or dad coming home and saying, how are you doing? What was your day like? Are you happy and fulfilled? What do you think about blah, blah, blah? You know, it's like, did you do the dishes? Did you do your homework? Did you do this? You know what I mean? And so I found uh, with the mentor program, we were matching them with people who it was just about how can I help you? That was it. It was kind of magical to watch them sit up straighter 
And just with that be- belief and support um, that somebody cares about how they feel about things and about their development and their future. And of course, their parents also believe those things. It's just, they're also worried about pick up your laundry and do the dishes and all of the other things. So it's not just focused and it's a different way of communicating as well. And the mentors, I made sure that the mentors were not old enough to be their parent. So it could be kind of that cool uncle or that cool older brother, not too far away from their age, but that could relate and not just dismiss them, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a very impactful experience for the mentees for the mentors and very fulfilling for me to see that unfold. So I started in the music industry only a couple of years ago at Sandbox Studios. My fellow intern, Lexicon, has started Afrowave TO, which is also very focused on promoting a specific group of artists, uh, him being Afro-Caribbean music. I've also met Tyre Jutai of your 2020 Honey Jam lineup. Yes, yes, she's fantastic. I found that Honey Jam was initially a one-off to promote female artists on a magazine called Mic Check. I was asked to edit an all-female issue of their magazine. And so we featured uh, women in hip-hop in the magazine. And then the rap party was to celebrate the launch of it. And so we featured some of the women that were in the magazine to come and perform. And that was what it was supposed to be. I had a full-time job as a legal assistant and I was doing each one, teach one. And then everyone said, oh, when's the next one? And I was like, oh, this is not what I do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there was definitely nothing else like it. And there was a need. And I thought, well, do it for a year and see how it goes. And here we are. So talk about FinFET, your nonprofit that supports and develops female artists. I really like your female-only focus because I want to inspire Asian youth to create and pursue the arts. We started in 1995, 26 years ago. It kind of uh, came out of the Each One Teach One program, how I started to hang out with younger people and listen to their music. And uh, it's kind of a long story how it all came to be. It was definitely an accident. Um, I just kind of make things up as I go along in my life. Like I didn't have specific training to run this company or to produce events or to work with youth or to work with artists, you know? Um, I just kind of go with my gut and my spirit I try to surround myself with people who know more than me and learn from them and also very much pattern things on what I experienced that I did not like to make sure then that this is a better way of doing things. Um, It's very fulfilling. So it's it's multicultural, it's multi-genre, and we're providing impactful experiences for these young women. so we start off with the auditions and then we do vocal performance coaching, different workshops, songwriting camps, you know, networking opportunities, mentoring opportunities, performance opportunities. And it's very much like a sisterhood. Um, once you are a part of it, you're a part of it forever. 
So there are artists that did Honey Jam over 20 years ago, and we follow their careers, we promote them on our socials, and that will just always be as long as we exist. Um, that's what we'll do. So yeah, you did mention that Honey Jam started 26 years ago in 95. So coincidentally, I was born in 95. Oh. Same age as Post Malone. And uh, you briefly did mention the, the, how uh, it was uh, back then. Everybody was trying to figure things out. It was very youthful, very grassroots, uh, the industry here back then. Was the city going through some identity crisis? Was it trying to follow another silly template back then? I don't think so. Not that came on my radar. You don't get the same type of feeling for something bubbling like you do now. Mm. Social media. So (laughs) every single thing that everyone is feeling, they're posting every second. And so you get this onslaught and you can feel Mm. the vibe of if there's some sort of unrest, if there's this, if there's that. And in the absence of that, it's not as easy to know. Mm. So I definitely don't recall that. I mean, I had my blinders on. It's like Mm -hmm. my job, paid my rent, the Each One Teach One Mentor Program, and then Honey Jam. And just put your head down and just get it done. So I was very focused on that. So I have been asking Toronto musicians, and most of them still agree that Toronto has a crabs in a bucket mentality, with the exception of one youthful artist, which might mean that things are changing for the better. Why do you think this was the case and how can we do to improve it? It's not something that I feel I can really comment on or that I, uh, I witnessed. Mm-hmm. Um, with Honey Jam, we are very purposefully not a competition. Mm-hmm. And when something is not a competition, you don't get that. Mm-hmm. Everyone is there to support each other. And when the artists meet each other for the first time, you would think that they'd known each other since they were born. Mm-hmm. They immediately bond and they are there for each other. Once you uh, throw competition into the ring, it, it, it changes people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have been in the non-competition space. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm sure everywhere has that crabs in the barrel um, virus <laughs> where some people think that you're, you succeeding somehow takes away from me succeeding. So if I see you climbing up and I'm not there yet, I need to do what I can to destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a human thing. It's sad, but true. And you just have to just not take it on, you know, mm-hmm. your shoulders up. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm very focused mm-hmm. and I won't be distracted. Mm-hmm. Have something that I want to do. And it doesn't matter what other people, you know, yeah. want to be naysayers or haters or whatever. I mean, if you've got valid points, I'm always open to constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. But people that just like to talk to hear themselves talking. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be uh, have a level of discernment so that you can tell who is who. 
and consider the source, what is their intention and their motivation, and then you know how to take the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, even if people were pushing each other, but they believe that they were pushing each other down, the fact that people are still recognizing it keeps us all down. And uh, like you said, it's just, there's really no point worrying about that. Yeah. Yeah. You teach people how to treat you. Don't allow it to enter and take up space in your head. (laughs) Especially if they're not paying rent, they don't get to take up space in your head. How do you see the future of the Toronto music industry? Do you think it will be a destination instead of a source of talent? Or is that already the case? I hope that it's both. When you say destination, what do you mean? Uh, LA, New York, uh, when people say, oh, I want to make it to bigger market. But it seems like Toronto is big enough of a market. We are kind of the country's capital. and Yeah. And when you see these big tours, there are times when Toronto is the only stop on the Canadian leg of their tour. And if Toronto isn't included, people will be like, what? <laughs> Toronto not be on the list. So I think we already are um, a destination. Over time and looking at different industries in the entertainment, I feel like one of the main keys to success is essentially just not giving up. Is there another key ingredient to it? I think there's lots of keys to success, like being prepared, (laughs) educating yourself, um, building a team, um, but definitely... And then it depends on what level of success are you looking for? You know, your idea of success is having a job at the grocery store and being able to pay your rent. Then there's that. So, you know, there's no like one pat answer for things. There's always different levels, but absolutely not giving up, particularly if you want to be an entrepreneur or you have a dream of doing something and it's not like a nine to five working for someone else. Um, But when you have a deep, true, authentic desire and passion to do, I always say, uh, don't give up. And I am a product of that. That's how I live my life. Once I decide that I want something, nothing is stopping me. You know, so we were not going to let COVID stop us from celebrating our 25th anniversary I mean, that was a big deal. And so many people were saying, oh, 2020 is canceled. Just do it next year. And I'm like, what? How are you giving up already? It is possible to have hope. And then there are things that we can still do. So look at what you can do and not just what you can't do. And I felt that showing also as an example to the artists that we work with, I felt a responsibility to show that. Yes, we're all depressed about what's happening. Yes, it's a challenge to do this, this, and this. But let's look at what we can do and let's do it. And we did. And um, that's important to me to just show that stick with itness. So, what are the main points of feedback artists have given you about live streaming performances? Do you think live streams will become the norm? Everyone that I know is tired of the virtual world. Mm. 
I cannot wait to be in a club with human beings, right? So there's that mental health thing, there's that visceral human exchange, and there's also money. When people like John Legend are doing free concerts in their living room, it's hard to get someone to pay for your live stream when you're an emerging unknown artist. And now it's the summertime, people want to be out and they're restless. And, you know, there's nothing like live. We are all ready for live to return. I think that what we're going to see happen possibly forever is a hybrid because the positive thing about live stream is that anyone in the world can see you, you know? So normally at our Honey Jam show, the maximum is 700 people, but our um, live stream was viewed by over 10,000 people, Mm -hmm. right? That would have never happened. And then there are people who might have issues with mobility, issues with um, childcare, et cetera, that were thrilled. (laughs) that it was a live stream and thrilled at this virtual world. Um, I am not one of them. I want to <laughs> see people, I want to feel the vibe and all of the things that go along with human interaction. Um, but there are some benefits in terms of the amount of reach that you can have. And I think it would be smart to do a hybrid mm-hmm. of, um, these types of events. Congratulations on receiving the Trailblazer Award for this year. Thank you. Thank you. Canadian Independent Music Association Awards. What does this accomplishment mean for you? And what work is there more to do? It was some good news. (laughs) And these days, I am over the moon for any good news that I can get. So I was thrilled when I received the email. and, you know, you, you work and you toil and you're focused and you don't know who's watching, you know? So I knew it was impactful for the artists, but for a peer in the industry to nominate me and then for other peers to make the final selection of me is a recognition I have not yet formally received. And so this was fantastic. Um, And I'm very um, excited and honored. Um, More work to do, there's always more work to do. Um, And you need to balance celebrating the wins and keeping your eye on what still needs to happen and, and doing what you can and encouraging others to do what they can. I feel extremely hopeful. I have witnessed change. I have achieved things. And um, one of the biggest changes that I've noticed over the last year is true and genuine allyship, right? So when the perpetrators of oppression or discrimination or exclusion when people in that class start to check one another Mm. things that should not be happening that is progress where you see men 
who see one of their guy friends harassing a woman and they check them and say, not on my watch, you know? And I've seen those things happen. I've seen women who've been asked to do a panel, everyone on the panel is white, and then say to the organizers, I'm withdrawing unless you have at least one person. Here are 500 names, not a diversity hire, not a token, 500 qualified people to choose from. I'm willing to give up my spot. I have had people say that to me. Mm -hmm. That is new. That is encouraging. Because the people in power are the ones that have to make the changes, right? And so, yeah, I feel definitely very optimistic. So in society, North American society, I still see that racial issues and societal issues are being depicted as black and white. For an example, I was commenting on a Instagram post about how black women are fetishized on the internet, that Asian women are fetishized very much as well. But a comment responded to me that we have our issue that we need to face right now and you have to figure out your issue how to solve that we are talking about this we don't need to talk about that and i think that's very harmful to the strength we can have as minorities i agree with you a thousand percent Mm -hmm. and you are the first person that i've heard say that so i hear people say your life can't matter unless until my life matters you know and it's like oh why can't both of our lives matter (laughs) you know why can't we multitask you know what i mean like can someone say to an indigenous person your life and the life of those 215 you know possibly murdered children doesn't matter until my issue gets solved like to me it's a ridiculous slogan And it's just a bunch of chatter and noise. And it's sad that, you know, sometimes things get reduced to sound bites, but there's levels and nuances and we need more people to dive a little bit deeper and to push back when people say that stuff and say to them, are you dumb? (laughs) This is not, that's not it. You know, we, we all uh, are humans in this world. And there's so many isms, schisms, as Bob Marley would talk about, you know, and we're not in competition with each other, right? Everyone has a, a, a cross to bear, you know, people who are differently able, someone in a wheelchair that can't even go anywhere because places aren't acceptable, people who are discriminated against because of their weight, um, because of what they look like, um, because of where they are born, places around the world where, um, you know, people are being killed, where it's legal for a woman to, for a husband to murder his wife if she didn't have dinner on the table. Like, you know, every single race, color, creed, gender has got, um, challenges that they face with being accepted, with getting on an equal playing field, et cetera. And we're not in competition. So let's all work together to combat it. But I I have seen that territorialism 
of, no, we have to talk about how it affects me and just racism against me and just this against me. And I'm like, but why? Why do we only need to talk about that? I mean, if that's all you care about, then cool. But you don't criticize other people for bringing others into the conversation because that's not what your focus is. You do you and you don't speak for me, you know, which is another issue that I have. You know, people talk about a minority community. I don't know what they mean, right? We are individuals with different opinions. There was no election. I didn't elect whoever you've given the microphone to on the news. Just because they say something doesn't mean it's true, doesn't mean it's right, and doesn't mean that that's the way that all of us think. But it's easy and lazy journalism to just put a group of people in a box and not ever ask for a second opinion because you make an assumption that, oh, if they say it, then that means that's what all of their people believe. And that to me is an insult to my ability to think for myself and to perhaps have a different perspective. The same way that you're diversifying your boardroom, think about diversifying your personal life. And that goes for all of us, right? I don't have any friends that are Asian. And it doesn't mean I don't like Asian people. I, that just hasn't happened. And there are lots of people in different cultures that that is the same thing. You have to make the effort for that to happen. We need to break bread together. We need to understand one another. And especially the people that you disagree with and the people that say all that crazy stuff and do all that crazy stuff. A lot of it is out of ignorance. They've never met anyone in the uh, group that they are attacking. You know, it's this fear of the unknown where they've made up a narrative in their head about who this group is and what they represent. And they've wound themselves into a frenzy and have all of this anger and hatred and want to destroy this group. But I'll bet you 99% of the time, if you ask them, do you ever have any friends of someone of that race? Any of your coworkers? Do you know anybody? That most of the time it is a no. And you, you've got to bridge that gap. You've got to at least try, you know? And I, I feel like that's missing from the conversation. I'd love to see some talk circles mm. in person mm. when COVID protocols allow mm. and I've never seen that done. Like, let's just sit together, a group of people from every different culture that you can think of, and let's just sit around a fire <laughs> and break bread and get to know each other and talk in more than five minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. And in this, this new culture of texting, there's so few people that even know how to have a conversation anymore the art of the conversation, the art of listening, the art of taking a beat before you speak. <laughs> There's no rush. There's no rush.
So your efforts in developing and putting female artists in a limelight in 2020 is inspirational, but also incredible. Congrats again on winning the SEMA Trailblazer Award. Your accomplishments alone pushed me to do more for my community and the people I want to inspire. So thank you, Ebony. Thank you. And keep up the good work. There's not enough people doing it. And um, I've been saying this a lot in interviews because it's something I want to spread. It's an idea. And I'm sure you've heard Gil Scott Heron talking about the revolution will not be televised, right? And people say it, that people say it, and I don't know if they think enough about it. And then some people refute it because they'll say things like, well, if this wasn't captured on a cell phone, which is basically television, everybody's got their own television and their own broadcast. But to me, what it means to me in 2021 is that the revolution is here and in your heart and in your soul. You can have all the quotas that you want and people be af being afraid of a mean tweet or a social media campaign against them and doing things out of fear and pressure. But at the end of the day, if you're not changing hearts and minds, you are not winning. And I want, would like to see more people do a deep dive in that. There's a lot of the same things that you keep hearing over and over and over. The slogans and the sound bites. This is not an episode of Friends. It's not going to get tied up in a neat little bow right? There's no finish line. This is day to day. It's a grind. It's not all going to be on Instagram. It's very serious work that you do behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. And you don't care if nobody ever sees it because that's not what the point of it is. So that's what I believe. Yeah. I really like how focused you are with your thinking. I really like how you take your time. I think more people need to take their time. Yeah. yeah. Quiet down the noise a little bit. Yeah. Generate more light than heat. Think about what you are saying. Get your thoughts straight. You know, there's too much slacktivism going on. And it's very frustrating for me because it's just spreading like wildfire and everyone is going along. There's too many followers and too few leaders and people aren't pushing back. And we need to shift the conversation and the narrative or add to what's already out there and show different ways of thinking and different practices. But people are playing it safe and just following what's out there and following a script where it all just sounds so repetitive. Like, can we hear an original thought, right? And then if you don't believe the approved script, then they're going to come after you because you're not woke enough, you know? So um, yeah, those are some of my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 of course, I want to learn more from you. And you mentioned that you don't... Uh really have an Asian friend well I could I do now yeah so I can't wait to see more uh, from you more from Honey Jam and are you planning for 2021 Honey Jam you mean 2022 or 2022, yeah 
right mm. now I am, listen, planning is almost a dirty word in the age of COVID. Mm. An event that I have now had to reschedule five times that was supposed to have happened last year because I am dedicated, fiercely dedicated to providing in-person experiences for the artists and for their mental health. And because of that, it's just been this roller coaster. Um, and it's um, frustrating and upsetting to go through. So I'm kind of living in 15 minute increments. <laughs> it's like, well, I know I'll be able to do this <laughs> unless like there's locusts or a volcano or something, right? Um, so yeah, I just, one step at a time, one step. And that's a big change for me. Like I'm that girl who during my 25th birthday celebration, I was planning my 30th birthday. Like I'm that girl. So to then, like, it's just been such a shift, but I, I just look forward to some level of normalcy and predictability. I'm so glad you took time out. I'm so glad you were so candid with me. And uh, that's the only way to be. And I love your frog. Thank you. Yeah, so sorry about this frog. <laughs> I got really sick in middle school and uh, spent Christmas in the hospital, and they gave me this. this oh mother- my God, it looks brand new. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in good condition. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I'm very in touch with my inner child. I have a support turtle, mm. stuffed animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have, I am kind of still very childish, but I think that's fine. It's good to, to do that. Um, and I encourage it. Like if I'm walking with my friends and I see a park with a seesaw, I am dragging them over. <laughs> like, let's go. Can't wait to see you in person and, and, and uh, learn more from you. Pleasant surprise to, to reach out to us. So it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. It's a, it's a reason to celebrate that you know, we have someone who's a leader in the, in the industry. And uh, yeah, I'm so, so grateful that you're here. I am grateful. Anyone who reaches out or shows an interest to help in a positive way, promote positive things, I am down, you know, so, yeah. And especially for a substantive conversation, like not the typical interview by numbers. Okay. This, this, and this go, right. But a real conversation does not happen often. I can tell you. So um, yeah, this was great. Yeah. That's so good to hear. That's yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, have a good night. Uh, enjoy the sun that's left. And yeah. And have a fantastic weekend. I will. I will. Because they're going down. I love seeing the hospitals, the IC units saying we're COVID free today. Uh, and we just like keep that same energy, man. Yeah. Let's, let's have an amazing summer. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hope you Take have a good care. night. Thanks. All right. Bye. Studio One.